You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast on the Nick and Roy channel. Subscribe and share. What did Ann Hodges do in 1954? That's really cool. Did you know that earthworm poop could be affecting climate change? I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we go out of our way to scour the internet for information you really don't need, or do you? So join us this week as we talk about food, science, history, and we'll open up the mailbag, plus animals, on this episode of Totally Useless Information. It's everything you never needed to know by listening once a week. You get smarter than you think. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Well, hello there, and thank you once again for joining us week after week on the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Are you all set to go, my friend, Roy? Hi, (laughs) y'all. How scientific of you. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, I want to get going right away, but you know what? My arm just fell asleep. Yes. No, wait, no, my my foot just fell asleep. Your appendages. Yes, but no, I'm I'm not suffering a stroke. I'm okay. Don't worry. I'm okay. (laughs) But I was wondering, since this is happening right now. Did anybody ask if you were okay? I didn't hear it, but okay. (laughs) No, but in case you were wondering, I'm fine, thank you. What I might be suffering from is paresthesia. It's the pins and needles sensation you feel in the nerves that are beginning to regain function. So it occurs when sustained pressure causes one or more of the nerves in the body part to become compressed. The compression interferes with the nerve's ability to communicate with your brain. Therefore, you feel that pins and needles and your arm or foot falls asleep. Oh, it's better now. It's much better. For those Ah. of you who are wondering, I'm okay. I have paresthesia in a part of my body, but let me go on to my science thing first. The urine of a diabetic person contains so much sugar in it, it could be purified and then fermented and turned into whiskey. Really? Yep. (laughs) Talk about piss drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're diabetic, aren't you? I am diabetic, yes, so I've been saving my urine now for about a month. Catching a second wind. In the 1800s, this was first used as an expression, it's a renewed sense of vigor after becoming either physically or mentally fatigued. Don't we know that? When your second wind kicks in after physical exhaustion, about 10 or 15 minutes, it is because your body has stopped focusing and expelling excess carbon dioxide and started to make more oxygen. It's an aerobic energy production, basically. So that's how you literally catch a second wind by bringing in more oxygen. I think they call it anaerobic. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three more. Physical. Physical. You know, folks, I have to say this because me and Nick are, you know, we're able to carry some weight on our shoulders. From time to time, we will get things wrong on the program. Uh, not many, but some. Okay, we had a show where we said that noses and ears continue to grow throughout our lives. Right. And that may not be true. 
scientists are finding out that the noses and ears of humans may not be growing, but gravity may be stretching them due to the fact that they're made of cartilage. And the gravitational pull, the weight of the gravity, pulls the cartilage and makes it appear as though they're getting larger, stretching, or growing. And they may not be. So we had said that on one show, and I am clearing that up because because we scientifically now have cleared that up. Yeah, but no, not exactly. Because we lied, our nose is growing. <laughs> Listen to me, Panaccio. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I made that the other night with uh, some uh, fettuccine. Speaking of the intelligent scatterbrain, the very premise of this show, according to research done by Stephen Johnson's book, where is the name of the book, where good ideas come from, the natural history of innovation, messiness is an indicator of intelligence. Hmm. So engaging in multiple hobbies keeps your brain working at peak efficiency. The more scattered your thoughts are, Hold on, I lost my thought here for a second. Hold on. Oh, yes. What the more you scattered your thoughts are. Did you say something? See what I did there? <laughs> yes, I did. The more scattered your thoughts are. Oh, there it is. Uh, the more scattered, the more opportunities for one idea to bounce off and even inspire the innovation of other ideas. Yes. So if you are a scatterbrain and you're a mess, congratulations, you're intelligent. And there's lots of room in Nick's head for things to bounce around. <laughs> You say, you say to yourself, how do they tell fake paintings from real paintings and things like that? Do they just look at brush strokes, blah, 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 blah. No, but one of the main ways to detect whether or not it's a forgery is to do a test for strontium and cesium, uh, which are two radioactive chemicals that are found in oil. And so they are in all oil and they end up in the oil paints. But the problem is, that's only after 1945. So if a painting was faked that was made in 1901, and it has strontium and cesium in the paint, we know it's a fake. Because in 1945, there was no strontium or cesium in oil. Well, guess why? Because in 1945, we detonated the nuclear bombs. And those bombs were so powerful that they placed that radioactive chemical in every drop of oil on the planet. Wow. And here's another way to find out if the painting is a fake. It's paint by numbers. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. A equals nothing. It's science, science, science. We have a paint by oh, number God. Picasso. <laughs> uh, yeah. Paint by number Picasso. I love that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a Rembrandt? Let me see. Yeah. Number six is the color yellow. <laughs> no, you moron. They didn't even paint in the number five. If you'd like to get a hold of us, and some people do, uh, including law enforcement, send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. tuipodcast at outlook.com. English is such a great language when you speak it really, really well. Animal. Animal. Animal, crazy animal. Scallops, they can see really well. They have over 200 eyes, okay? Not only that, scallops actually inspired the rapper Tupac Shakur 
Okay. They inspired him to write the song All Eyes on Me after he had heard that scallops have 200 eyes and probably smoked two or three joints, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's their eyesight? 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20? Their, their eyesight is 20. Yeah. Ooh, 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 20. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Pigs cannot look up at the sky to see the sun when they're standing up. It is physically impossible. Pigs cannot look up into the sky. They can lie down to see the sky, but not in the standing position. The anatomy of their neck muscles won't let them look upwards. The only way left to see the sky, or even its reflection, is to look in the mud. Yeah, yeah, and pigs can communicate with each other. What did one pig say to the other pig that was standing out in the sun? I don't know what. Wow, I'm bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I want you to know I just made that joke up. I think it's amazing. Yes, yes. Thank you. It, it was it was crisp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he didn't have egg on his face after that joke. Listen, penguins, this is for the tree hugging hippie freaks. Okay, who I love. I love you tree hugging hippies. Okay, penguins are genocizing Antarctica. Genocizing means actually like terraforming the, the, the land. For the last 5,000 years, penguins have been pooping on the rocks in Antarctica. Well, they figured it out, and scientists have done a survey to figure out how much of it there is. 16 million pounds of penguin poop properly placed. <laughs> But do you understand what's happening? The penguin poop, 16 million pounds of it, is becoming fertile soil, and eventually something will grow on that. So, so let me get this straight. So penguin poop properly pay, placed, wait, penguin poop properly placed on the rock yeah. causes climate change? Yes, a proportionate amount of poop. Right. Fortunate <laughs> amount of penguin poop. No, but what's going to happen is trees and grass and stuff are going to grow, and then there'll right. be no more Antarctica. And who are we going to blame now? The, the penguins? No, but here's the good news. For the tree-hugging hippies, they have more trees to hug. Well, penguins could potentially go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> after they put on the petrified rock. Okay. Now that we have to clean the, the computer screens after that segment. <laughs> now, speaking of poop, earth, this is my teaser. Earthworm poop may be partially, there's the P again. Mm -hmm. Earthworm poop may be partially responsible for climate change. There is a confounding mystery wrapped up in the tiny turds of two different types of earthworms. Whoa. And the secrets locked inside or influence climate change around the world. Scientists say that some earthworm species are potentially speeding up climate change yeah, by feeding on the leaves, then pooping out a mix that's fodder to tiny microbes and fungi that spews carbon into the atmosphere. So by contrast, other worms are helping lock carbon in soil, but not earthworms. So according to this one scientist, oh. microbes find earthworm poop very attractive. Yes. In fact, the earthworm goes over to the other earthworm and says, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, raccoons, raccoons see with their hands. Did you ever see a raccoon? I've had raccoons in my yard and I watch them eat stuff 
And at night, right. of course, they're nocturnal, which they, they're, they're nocturnal, meaning they go out mostly at night, like when I go to a club hunting. Right. No. <laughs> right. That's a long time ago. That's when the Bee Gees were popular. <laughs> Woo. I'm staying alive. Yeah, right. Okay, but raccoons actually have four times the sensors in their receptors in their front paws than they do in their rear paws. Their front hands, so to speak, because they're not really paws, they're really like hands, have so many receptors in it that they're able to feel food as though we would look at something, they can feel it. So their receptors in their hands are so great that they actually use their hands to see. There are such things as two-headed snakes. Mm. And one might wonder with a... No, not that kind of snake. The two-headed snake, how they fight for food. Yo, two-headed snake. (laughs) They're rare, but not unheard of. And one recently found in Spain is giving scientists the opportunity to... In Spain? Spain. (laughs) Where are you from? Freaking Deutschland? (laughs) In Spain. Giving scientists an opportunity to study how the anomaly affects their ability to hunt and mate. Just watching them feed, even fighting over which head will swallow the prey, shows that feeding takes a good deal of time, during which they will be highly vulnerable to predators. So they might be looking for food, but because they're so busy looking for food and fighting for food, they're going to be eating themselves. You know what, too, those those scientists, they're like, well, this week we look at the two-headed snake, or next week we look at the one-eyed trouser snake. Precisely. Animal. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast, and look what I found here on the top of the desk. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Mary. Mary's in the mail. Yes. Yes. Well, Mary's actually a female, but Mary's in the mail. No, that's M I L. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on. I'm feeling like a woman today. Do you know what happened to me? No, okay. So Mary from Michigan yeah. says American cheese, she's talking about something, and she says, everybody thinks American cheese is from Wisconsin, she says. But Mary right. says no, she wants us to clarify it on the show to let people know that American cheese is from Michigan. Mary. So I did the research, and I hate to break this to you, Mary, but it's not. And it's no, not. No. And it's not even from Wisconsin. No, no, no. American cheese was invented by a guy named Walter Gerbers and Fritz Stelter, probably two of the German scientists that Nick was mimicking before. But these Swiss scientists in 1911, und Schweizerland, invented American cheese. The sliced yellow American cheese that we know best was invented in Switzerland, Mary. You're living a lie, Mary. You're living a lie. Wait a minute. So these two Swiss scientists or whatever invented American cheese. Well, they probably didn't call it American cheese, but then Mary and a Michigan friend stole it, brought it over there, called it American cheese, and made believe they invented it. Right. So why didn't these two Swiss guys invent Swiss cheese? 
They probably did. I didn't research that. What okay. do they need that but, like a hole in the head? <laughs> uh, John Stevens from Australia, down under. Oh, yay. Hello. Um, that's where, now he's asked, this is a great question. Why is a toilet sometimes referred to as a John? Ooh. So that's pretty interesting. Sir John Harrington lived in the late 16th and 17th centuries. Harrington was one of 102 godchildren of the Queen Elizabeth I, known as Saucy Godson, for his proclivity to write somewhat risque poetry and other writings. Mm. So although Harrington wasn't the first guy to invent the first flushing toilet, his invention, innovation in Britain, and at the time it was commonly thought that he was the only inventor of the flushing toilet while he was sitting there writing his risque poems. Yeah. Which is why it is thought the flushing toilet today is also called a John, after Sir John Harrington. Really? Maybe that's why they call prostitutes men a John, because he wrote the nasty, disgusting sex stuff. The royal family's really screwed up. Did you see the ears on, what's his name? Yeah, oh, you had an interesting t a bonus uh, tidbit on Australia. Oh, bonus tidbit on Australia. I'm sorry, that was bouncing around in my empty head. Listen, bonus tidbit. Or Aborigines, their children were taken away from them by the Australian government, and then they were told not to give them any history on being an Aborigine and so on and so forth. So they were literally brainwashed to think they weren't Aborigine. Imagine that. Well, now you know a little bit more than you knew about five minutes ago. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mailbag? Of the Totally Useless Information Podcast, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And I'm Are you hungry? I'm really hungry. I could hear the stomach grumbling from all the way 1,500 miles away. Hey everybody, come and get it! Your weekly sweet and savory facts with your five-star Michelin chefs of totally useless information, Nick and Roy. Come and get it! Bloody Mary was once called a bucket of blood. Not the most appetizing name, but the familiar vodka and tomato juice beverage originally carried that title when it was introduced at Harry's New York Bar. A patron named Roy Barton coined the name, and it stuck until New York City's King Cole Bar said, oh yeah, and he was at the St. Regis Hotel. He reintroduced the drink and rebranded it Red Snapper, and then finally Bloody Mary. So if you follow the bloodline, it started off as Bucket of Blood, the Red Snapper, and then finally, Bloody Mary. Ah, tomato, tomato. Listen, what is used... I always say listen. Did you notice that? I say listen a lot. You do. Did you hear that? I did. <laughs> listen, what is, used, what is used in shredded cheese and cereal to keep it from clumping? I don't know. Cellulose. Sounds like some innocuous little thing right but then we realize it's wood pulp it's paper oh. it's wood pulp they put wood pulp on shredded cheese. you ever look at shredded cheese and that that look on it it's wood pulp it's poopy it's got that poopy look to it Nick, and it's so it's your it's wood pulp your poopy mouth a poopy <laughs> <laughs> saying wood pulp is poopy yes 
drinking milk after a workout was asked uh, of a nutritionist, hey, is, is this something that's wise? Dr. Brian Roy, professor of kinesiology at the Brock University, filled us in, and they said it is the best beverage for post-exercise recovery. According to Dr. Roy, not you, but Dr. Roy, milk is a good choice following exercise for athletes who are not lactose intolerant. That would help. And do not have a dairy allergy. The main reasons why milk is beneficial is because milk is a very good source of carbohydrates, and the carbohydrate content of milk is similar to sports drinks. Yes, milk after workout is recommended. Yeah, especially curdy milk. Who the hell would drink milk after working out? You drink, you go to work out, you drink beer. (laughs) (laughs) Peanut butter is a girl's best friend. Uh, Is it the crunchy kind or the smooth kind? It doesn't matter. Peanut butter is a girl's best friend because peanuts contain so much carbon that if you remove the oxygen from them and put the carbon under extreme pressure, you could actually make a diamond. No. Really? Yep. So peanuts is the girl's best friend. (laughs) Hey, Ma, look, I just got engaged. It's Teresa's. (laughs) So have you heard of honey laundering? Not money laundering, honey laundering. No, fill me in. Buying money, buying honey seems like an easy enough activity, but honey laundering is actually a huge problem in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's common for honey to be diluted with fillers like high fructose corn syrup, but labeled and sold as pure honey. If possible, it's best to buy your honey from a local farmer so you know exactly what's in it. Yeah, that's honey. what I do. I take a trip to a farm to get my honey. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell goes to a farm to get their honey? Farm-raised salmon, it's disgusting too, but you should eat wild-caught salmon to everybody out there listening to the show. But farm-raised salmon is what most of us get, and when you go to a restaurant 90% of the time, that's what you're getting. The salmon that's in the wild is this beautiful pink color to the meat, but farm-raised salmon, they're raised so quickly and fed so much that the meat is white. It's actually white. Nobody would buy it. So the farmers feed them food that's loaded with pink dye so that as they're eating it, the fish, the dye actually permeates their skin, almost like a pink flamingo. <laughs> Moral of the story today is go to a farm to buy your honey and go to a farm to catch some salmon. The kitchen is now closed. Join us next time on the Totally Useless Information Podcast for more sweet and savory morsels of useless food information. See you real soon! Totally Useless Information Podcast. Let's go back in time. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
I guess every day is a history. Yeah. Phobias. This is really super interesting to me. But scientists now believe that let's say your great, 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 great grandfather lived in the Himalayas. He looked over the edge. He got scared, so scared that it imprinted onto the DNA. These phobias of heights and fear of snakes and fear of spiders, they believe that they're actually burnt into our DNA from our great, 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 great ancestors passed on through us. So again, this is unbelievable stuff that it will actually imprint onto the DNA, these phobias and fears. Knockers up. Not what you think. Before their alarm clocks, there were knockers up. Where is Heidi? Oh, no. Heidi, no. Before there were alarm clocks, there were knockers up who were hired to shoot dried peas from a blowgun at people's windows in order to wake them up in the morning. Ah, yes. Knocker up. The the original um, call to the front desk. (laughs) Yes. The original wake-up call. Ting. Yes. And then why the hell did they say knockers up? I'm going to do my teaser now about Ann Hodges. Ann Hodges in 1954 was the first woman to do something. She's not only the first woman to do it, she's the only person on earth that we know of that has done this. And that was to be injured by an extraterrestrial object. In 1954, Ann Hodges decided... She was tired and wanted to go take a nap in the front yard. She walked out there and gingerly placed herself on a lawn chair. Unsuspecting to her, as she fell asleep, she got whacked in the head by a meteorite. You sure it wasn't a knockers up? No, no. (laughs) She was laying down, so her knockers would have stayed anyway. We can't tell that. We don't have enough proof of that, Nick. Ching, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although I'm sure that um, that she was excited when she gets whacked in the head by a meteorite. Now she survives. She survives the meteorite uh, hitting her, and she is till this day the only person on record to have been accosted or hurt or injured by an extraterrestrial object. To you, Anne, I say, Anne rocks. Yes. <laughs> you have rocks in your head? Yes, as a matter of fact, I'm the only person on record. <laughs> if you lived in 1770, and you lived in Britain in 1770, and you wanted to wear lipstick, and you wanted to wear lipstick, you're out of luck. Are you talking about yourself again? Limpstick? Yes. <laughs> You better, down. you better leave that in. <laughs> Lipstick. Oh, you've talked to my wife. Uh, British Parliament passed a law that would ban lipstick. It stated that women found guilty of seducing men into matrimony mm. by a cosmetic means could be tried for witchcraft. It's a fraud. It's a fake. I agree. It's like selling a fake diamond ring. It's the same thing. Yeah. You get it yeah. home, it looks good, and then you realize it's not what it really was supposed to be. It's like waking up in the morning. 
<laughs> God, it was dark last night. Wow. So these girls could get arrested for fraudulently placing makeup on their face to induce men to marry them. Yes, and they would, they would be tried for witchcraft. In the 15th century, the ruler Vlad the Impaler, this man's name was Vlad the Impaler, and he gets his name because he impaled 20,000 Ottoman Turks on long, sharp poles on the banks of the Danube River. Listen what he did. He he got these 20,000 Ottoman Turk prisoners and then he slammed their bodies onto stakes and stuck them up in the air and let them bleed to death. But Vlad was such a sick bastard that he was known to sop up the blood with pieces of bread and eat it. Then he did it a lot. And so Vlad's last name is surprisingly Dracula. Vlad Dracula. And Vlad was born in Transylvania. And a guy named Bram Stoker read the story about Vlad the Impaler, who was actually Vlad Dracula, and changed it to Count Dracula and wrote the book Dracula. That is amazing. That's ah. really, really cool. <laughs> if only in Canada, the last duel never happened. The last duel was between two men who were so terrified by the act of dueling, one fainted and the other was seized by terror. <laughs> seized by terror. What the he shat himself. <laughs> And by the way, the gun was loaded with blanks. <laughs> Listen, you know, it's even funnier. Who wins that yeah. one? I guess the guy that fainted loses because the guy that was taken with terror was still conscious. <laughs> the last duel never happened. And so with the, the guns loaded with blanks, mm -hmm. they're still trying to revive this the guy. This is why nobody's shot. really afraid of Canadians. <laughs> I came to, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I guess every day is uh, history. Yeah. What? Well, you know what? Uh, this duel is over for this week. This time flies. I say it every show, but I'm going to tell you guys, this thing goes so fast, I can't even believe it. This is basically all the time that we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information. We will have more for you next time, we promise. So in the meantime, you need to find us on every podcast platform, like us, friend us, share us. We don't mind. We love being shared. And tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.